0: today on Broadway for Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. It's all me tonight, folks, at least for the first half of the show. Like Matt and I said yesterday, this is going to be kind of a weird week with the holiday. Um, though we do have a big amendment tonight because we all thought Monday was the opening night of Clyde's at Second Stage in the Helen Hayes Theater. It's not. It's today. It used to be November 22nd, but life and pandemic scheduling comes at you fast, and it changed somewhere along the line to November 23rd. So instead, expect those reviews for tomorrow's show. Matt and I will be recording kind of late for that, but we'll get you the reviews. The back end of this episode, Matt and I talked about the second half of his New York trip. So many good shows. Saw company, saw me, so you know it was the best part of the two weeks, obviously. Stay tuned for that. And the rest of the week, we're going to have some special stuff, including on Thanksgiving Day, an episode Matt, Grace, and I are recording later today about the theater things in 2021 we've been most thankful for. I mean, I've got to say in advance, just theater being back, (laughs) it's been really nice so far, to say the absolute least. But we're going to talk about some specific things, so you don't want to miss that. Of course, before we get into the action, make sure you're subscribed to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Broadway Radio for all the good stuff. There was really only one major story on Monday, but it is a good one. Second Stage announced that its current Broadway production of Lynn Nottage's Clydes will live stream its final 16 performances, which are scheduled for January 4th through the 16th. They will offer a limited number of tickets priced at $59, the lowest price point available to in-person audiences. In an interview with the New York Times, Nottage says, quote, Over the 18 months when we had to pivot and shift a lot of storytelling to Zoom, that opened up a new door of opportunity for many of us who make theater. What we're hoping is that folks who are reluctant to come out because of the virus, or for whom theater is not accessible, will have access because of this streaming. This comes on the heels of a similar streaming program for Letters of Sirach that proved successful with subscribers. Additionally, Second Stage will extend its 30 Under 30 program for the digital presentation of Clyde's. This is extremely cool. We've been calling for this for... Oh God, forever at this point, but especially during the pandemic, just that option for more, the option for accessibility. I think it's especially huge that it comes not just from second stage but from Lynn Nottage who has uh, you know two Pulitzers to her name. And, like that is very much a lead and they will follow situation in theory. And having a streaming option for a Broadway house is obviously important. I think something like this makes producers probably a little nervous because seats from the comfort of your home that are at your cheapest price point is, you know, it's a really good sell for those people at home to not come out to the theater. But I mean, important, one, they're limited. Uh, there's only a limited number of seats that you can get per show. And two, that doesn't detract from seeing it in person as we keep mentioning and and in fact at least for me this is a case where i know like i'm a special circumstance because i'm in the industry but this is a case where having the options mean i'm more likely to see the show and pay for it and more likely to see the show again either in person or a streaming option and you know that's uh, continuing off that point like I saw some people on Monday a little bit squicky about the price being so steep. Um, you know, the same price as an in-person show at the lowest tier. Honestly, I'm fine with that because I know I'm paying for two very different experiences in those cases. Um, you have in-person where I'm getting dressed up. I'm going to the theater. I'm witnessing live I you know I'm witnessing live theater in the form it's supposed to be, um, and then you know there's drinks after that, or I'm meeting with friends or whatever at home. I'm paying for the experience of not having to do any of that um and be in my own little introversion bubble and stay in comfy clothes and watch it from my couch like those are very different experiences, both of which I love, but there's that separation that that value is worth it for me depending on the night. So I think having this show which has major stars and comes from a major playwright, um, give the option for people to pay the price tag and see it from wherever is great. It's a huge step forward for more shows doing this more Broadway shows, more international shows, maybe even more regional shows. We've seen a lot of it throughout the pandemic. That was kind of my hope and prediction (laughs) at the beginning of the year when we did our New Year's predictions. of just like I wanted more streaming options, and I thought that theaters might be more amenable to that as the year went on. So this makes me very happy for all the reasons. All right, before we continue with part two of Matt's Showathon, I've got to take a break to talk about our Patreon. If you were listening to this on Patreon, hello, you're amazing. If not, you're still amazing, but you're missing out on some great stuff, including early episodes, interviews, reviews, and more. We're able to keep the lights on thanks to you, our patrons and listeners. So go ahead and pause this episode. And go to patreon.com slash broadwayradio to learn more and then jump back into the show. All right, let's wrap up the show with what I already promised. Week two of Matt's New York trip in all its glory.
1: Last week, we talked about my first week of shows during my New York trip, and Ashley, we wanted to get back together to talk about my second week of shows. We're
0: doing this in different rooms this time, because before, we were doing it from across the table, before we ran uh, ran to see Natalie Walker.
1: And that is going to be one of the shows on this first day. It won't be the first one, Mm -hmm. but it will be in that first day. Um, So... No, because you had
0: like six shows that day. <laughs> I had four. Yeah, I had four shows that day. It was it was an
1: eight show Saturday and Sunday, nine if you include Disgusting. Assassins on Friday night. Part but you, it's but
0: disgusted.
1: Yeah, it started the Lyceum Theater with "Is This a Room?" Um Ooh. Obviously. One of the most uh, anticipated shows on my list coming into it, but as I mentioned before, Dana h didn't underwhelm me. it just didn't hit me as much as I thought it would. I think is this a room impacted me more and it might have been to do or had had to do with the interactions of the characters. Uh, mm. I think that probably gave me a little bit more context for for some things. Mm. Um, I thought that um Emily Davis, Davis yeah. was Incredible. just. I mean, she delivered levels of snot scene only coming from the nose of (laughs) uh, Viola. No, no, that comes from his mouth. (laughs) uh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis is the only one who can do snot like Emily Davis. Uh, Oh, are they related? Emily and Viola?
0: (gasps) Oh, hello. Must be. You
1: you never know. Uh, But I thought it was great. I forget who I was talking with. Um, Oh, it might have been uh, my friend Ashley Hufford who Mm. saw Is This Room on Sunday and I saw her in between shows as we were walking by the Moondance Diner food truck. Oh, nice. She, She made a point that i think these two shows would have been served rather than running and rep uh, but running together with an intermission in between them i think oh, that interesting. those interesting yeah i think that those two shows would have benefited from the emotional impact of each other and if you would have done is this a room first intermission dana h i think that would have helped me i respect
0: that yeah <laughs> yeah I think- I, and i I think that would be good. I, and I hadn't actually thought about that because Me I mean, my, my experience with these shows is one completely different than yours in that I saw them both off Broadway, mm-hmm. um, and have since seen them on Broadway. But yeah, that's, that's a really good point. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: And I'm sure they'd have to crunch the numbers. They would have had to, I'm sure they crunched the numbers and It'd came up with things. this is the yeah, best play. But sure. I think, I think it would have been a better emotional theatrical experience
0: if they were together. It's a better but- emotional theatrical experience. It's better on their pockets to do it. Uh, yeah. separately for sure. I though. guess. I guess. I guess. I see. And this is like, I personally, cause you and I have talked about it, uh, and then Grace and I have talked about both the shows in our own reviews, but like, this is a show, like, I, I appreciated. The Broadway transfer, I loved it as much, almost as much as I loved it off Broadway. I think the transfer for Dana H was better from off Broadway to Broadway. Interesting. Um, it, it's. I also the the thing of that is that I also had much better seats for Dana H than I did for Is This a Room, <laughs> which you need to for Dana H um, and don't necessarily have to for Is This a Room, which I think is also. I think that also impacts the quality of the show as well. Like if you're not sitting in the first, let's say 10 rows of the theater for Dana H, you're going to miss a lot. Yeah.
1: Well, after that, I ran down to the Soho Playhouse uh, to see the immersive show Tammany Hall, which I did a special episode of earlier in the month. This is one where you are actually on an election night in 1929 in New York City at Tammany Hall in um, the, I think it was called the Union Club is the actual building the Soho Playhouse yeah. is now in. Yeah. That was actually the social hall for, or the social club for Tammany Hall. That's really You cool. go through all of the different floors, all of the different rooms in Tammany Hall and interact with real historical figures. Um, um, like Boss Mulvaney or Boss Mulvaney, um, uh, Mayor Jimmy Walker, Field LaGuardia, Legs Diamond, um, Betty Compton, not to be confused with Betty Comden. Um, <laughs> yeah, it different. got me confused at, at times. Um, really interesting, really exciting. I really enjoyed um, this type of immersive stuff where you just kind of walk around and you get led to different things and you get asked questions, but you don't actually have to like do anything. Um, it wasn't like necessarily that. the most you know, engaging most exciting concept for an immersive type show. But it was a a, a really good time, a really enjoyable uh, thing.
0: This is like a so, walking tour more than anything by the description. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's a big building. Like, you have to go up flights of stairs, go to the basement, go up to the third floor, and, and go into different rooms. Because it is just the Soho Playhouse. Like, you're going into, like, dressing room things that were dressing rooms, turned yeah. into offices and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, would recommend if this is the type of thing you like. From there, I went down to the Rattlestick Playhouse to see uh, a commercial <laughs> jingle for Regina Comet. Guess the only where, problem is...
0: it's not...
1: It's not at Rattlestick Playhouse. It's at DR2. So I had to take a couple cars to get there and walked in just as the show was starting. Ashley was up in like, what, the third or fourth row? I yeah. had to be sat in the very, very back. But yeah,
0: My plus one, a.k.a. my purse for the show and you sorry. in the back of the theater. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, but I, I got mean, there. I, I saw I it mean, all. I love an extra seat for my stuff. Thank you. I know. <laughs>
1: You're welcome. Um, but also, I did a special interview with uh, Brianna Marie Parham, who is the titular Regina Comet in the show. And I thoroughly enjoyed this so much. Um, like it was just a silly, fun, clever, interesting show that really subverts a lot of what you think it's going to be. It, it has elements of totally. title of show. Um, there are some other things. That, oh, and, and um, the real Josh Cohen, and yeah. just a really interesting uh, show. I really enjoyed it it's closed now but there is going to be and, uh, a cast album made is, yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if this one um shows up in some regional theaters as well because it's a really fun easy to produce small small cast show
0: i loved it and i already told grace on the show the other day like to me you mentioned Tidal show to me it was that and something rotten the producers had a weird yeah. baby and it was written by uh-huh. john Mullaney and nick kroll like it had yeah. that feel to me of like just that constantness i thought I loved it. It's one of my favorite shows I've seen in a really long time. Oh, wow. That's (laughs) great. Completely up my alley. That is exactly my style of comedy. (laughs)
1: I love that. Well, from there, we went back and recorded last Monday's episode at my Airbnb, and then we raced over to 54 Below to (laughs) see what I think might be the greatest concert, let alone cabaret, that I've ever seen in my life, and that was Natalie Walker's Mad Seasons. I don't... I I said this on Twitter, and you disagreed, and maybe you can explain why. I don't know that that was cabaret to me. Like, I thought it transcended cabaret to be like a one-woman memoir musical or a performance art piece, Um, and you can tell me why it was cabaret in a minute but like natalie walker is simply one of the most talented people working in new york and i i, I think i know there's some Correct. reasons why she's not a bigger star sure. but um she should be she is insanely talented she's insanely funny she's insanely smart she's a, a, an incredible vocalist an incredible actor um i thought sure. that this with all of the bonkers literal craziness, because, I mean, she was chronicling <laughs> craziness yep. in her show, yep. and we talked about that on our interview special episode with her, but it was Yeah, how much did she go in
0: depth of, like, what was actually going to be in the show there? Because, like, I don't want to give things away there, but I mean, We this did was- a little. Okay. I mean,
1: we talked about the, the Catwoman monologue. We talked about some of the opera <laughs> stuff she did. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. But just- it's brilliant She is She is absolutely brilliant
0: So this is my First of all One quick correction Because um, you said Natalie Walker's Mad Seasons It's Mad Scenes um, Mad Scenes Oh thank but, you thank But you. second This is the first time I've seen Natalie Perform in person Which is honestly A very weird fact Considering I was Cabaret Editor-in-Chief For like three years uh, But just like It never Like the timing Never worked out For me to get to see her Over other shows And I'm So Thrilled to finally Get to see her And also sad That this is my first time Seeing her I immediately want to see her perform Again I think she's Mm -hmm. One of the greatest performers I have ever Seen in just every way From vocals to conception And that's why I consider a cabaret Like it is performance art But cabaret is supposed to be I think a lot of problem with The New York cabaret scene that Ends up being like well this is cabaret Is that it's somebody's solo show And that's like a sung through show It has patter and like their Story is really just like This is my life story set to songs And that's fine, that is cabaret too Like, really anything can be cabaret As long as you have some kind of story to it This is just like Downtown performance art cabaret At its finest, Mm -hmm. it's completely Weird, but it is It's got the story, it's got the pattern It's got the songs, and it's just the Like I said, the conception Behind it, the conceptualization Behind it is Some of the best I've ever seen
1: yeah, it definitely felt more like a Joe's Pub show than for the Fourth Below show to be exactly, honest with
0: you. Exactly, exactly. It was I, I feel like if anything was wrong with it, it was not in the right venue. <laughs> like yeah. that was a, that was a Joe's Pub sh- show for me. R-
1: well, fortunately or unfortunately, it's coming back to fifty four below on December tenth. Oh, fortunately, um, <laughs> go see it. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say though, she had done the show earlier in the summer, which we talked about in, in the interview. There were things that were different from the first one to the second one, so there will probably be some different things in the December tenth version. So if you yeah, did see she, it, she
0: she had posted. I, I think it was on Twitter at that point. That it looked like there was going to be some new stuff that was in there for sure, based on the image images that she shared
1: yeah just uh bloody brilliant um okay so on monday night i went to the spring awakening reunion yeah. um grace and i already talked about that a, a little bit so sure. I, I won't bore you because we talked about it um, appreciate, on episode cause, last cause week because i did
0: listen to that ep- episode i appreciate the fact that me sitting at home listening to it and you obviously talking to grace in person we both yelled at her for calling it a soundtrack yeah. or a cast recording at the exact same second <laughs> Um, I was like no
1: Grace yes. and I went grace and I went to a show on Saturday together uh, and and she did it again
0: no, <laughs> oh, no.
1: I, I scolded her again <laughs> um, anyway so I won't belabor this I thought the the concert was great despite the hour and a half that we had to wait to get it actually going around 15 yes. minutes um again not my favorite show but seeing this group together sing those songs which I think is actually it's a it's a Excellent score. I just don't like the show yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like better the staging. Concert. Yeah. Yes, much better concert. Even though they did the whole book, it just worked better that way. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to seeing the documentary on HBO. Same. Then on Tuesday...
0: Hello. <laughs> Phone rings. Door I chimes. Been in comes company. So excited. We we we're not going to go extensively into the show right. until after it opens. But I have been so excited to talk to you on a show yes. about this because, of course, we texted about it because yeah. I was not. I would find you. I would hunt. I have your show schedule. I would have yes. showed up outside of <laughs> theater. Yeah. So we'll talk
1: about it more in depth after it opens. Even though I did pay for my ticket, but there are some other people Likewise. on this chat right now that is hoping to get a comp so we don't want
0: to and she did so oh, we'll good, good, good. <laughs> all right
1: so we'll wait till it opens but i will just say that this was the best thing that i saw in my entire trip um, i there is a, you know i i think i voiced it many people have voiced it i don't think katrina link was the right person to sing the role of bobby mm-hmm. i i think she doesn't unbelievable job as acting Bobby. Correct. Um, I think she is phenomenal. I think everybody in that cast, pretty much, is perfectly cast. Unfortunately, Bobby Conti's voice seemed to not be great the night I saw it.
0: Yeah, um, I, I I will agree with you there, because I'm going to see it again at least twice, probably between previews and opening, so sure. I'm sure I will have other experiences, but I, when I saw him, um, you know, pre- On the first night pre-pandemic well i saw him first night but also pre-pandemic like i i think there's a little bit of shakiness right now that certainly didn't exist then so i feel like it's Mm -hmm. just like not vocal readiness at the moment because he is exceptional his his, the way his um like he's changed his character a little bit oh interesting Um, but there's a few of that and again we're gonna get really in depth mm-hmm. in um you know a few weeks from now but there are a, a lot of little changes like that that i'm really fascinated by
1: yeah robbie razzell i went to see the show with robbie razzell and he's a, a friend of, of bobby's and actually probably i think worked on his album mm-hmm. and he said he, he said he almost thought like it sounded like he blew his voice out on the first preview yeah, yeah. um so he was I don't know, a little, but...
0: he was a little weak there too uh just like yeah. a little a little vocally a, a little pitchy dog but yeah
1: well I, I the one other thing i will say is that um I have never not been a fan of Marion Elliott, but this has probably converted me to the church of Marion Elliott. Like, I think (laughs) the concept of this show, the direction, the staging of this show is absolutely brilliant. There are two numbers, and I won't get into what they are because, Mm, you know, it's not open yet. There are two numbers that I think are two of the most geniusly staged. songs and scenes in in my musical theater uh, uh, history yeah. attending history yeah. funny and story I
0: you, and i told you in our text that i one of them and then just uh, you know general other choices in the show as far as like especially the transitions between scenes i mm-hmm. quite literally have not stopped thinking about since yeah. i saw it in march 2020 like that's yeah. i think I think they're brilliant. I think the staging of the show is brilliant. You
1: know who does not think that Marianne Elliott is a very good director? Uh Uh-oh. Grace Aki.
0: Mm, mm Mm-mm. We'll Mm -mm. get into that. We'll get into that. Oh, boy. Um,
1: then on, then on Wednesday, I went to see Trouble in Mind at the American Airlines Theater. I've talked about that extensively on the Friday and Monday episodes. Okay. So go and listen to that. Then on Thursday, Grace and I went over to the Barrymore Theater and got nettled as we sat in the front <laughs> row to see Jennifer Nettles and Waitress. I will tell you, I, and you remember, I, had kind of been predicting that she would come into this show before it closed yeah. on Broadway and she, whether she's been working on it for like two years just to make this happen she was fantastic I mean okay. vocally vocally, her voice is a little different she doesn't necessarily have like the belt of a Jesse Mueller sure. but her vocal tone is phenomenal and I've got to tell you and sitting in the front row like her acting was spectacular like, like I was really really impressed with her um, with her acting ability unfortunately there were a few people in the cast that I thought were not great. Oh. Um, the new Ogie, um, who was also in the D'Arvin Hansen movie um, as Jared Kleinman. Not great. Oh, um, right. Ashley Blanchett um, was Dawn and she was just okay. It, she, it, a lot of her quirks and ticks that we we're so used to seeing with Caitlin Houlihan and Kamiko Glenn Ooh. seemed very forced. We also saw an understudy for Dr. Pomader. Eric Bergen was out. He was fine. He was just very young next to Jennifer Nettles. Um, Ooh, weird. um, so it's a little, it was a little strange. It or at least looked very young. I don't know either of their ages, but just looked very young. Uh, but overall, I think the show is in great shape. Jennifer Nettles is only in through, th- through Wednesday and then Sierra Renee takes over yeah, on Thanksgiving. That's then Joshua, that. Joshua Henry takes over next week. Um, but I really just enjoy the show. I just like the show. It's my it's third time seeing it on show. Broadway. Yeah. yeah. So I very much enjoy it. Then on the Friday, I went down to the Atlantic Theater Company and saw the new Janine Tesori musical Mm -hmm. Kimberly Akimbo. And this one is still in preview, so I don't want to give a ton away, but I will tell you. This is one of the strangest, funniest, weirdest shows you were going to see this yes. fall. Um, you have to see this show for the master class work of Victoria Clark. If you aren't familiar with the show, it's obviously based on a play by David Lindsay Bear, who also wrote the book and lyrics for the show. Yeah. Um it, basically Victoria Clark plays Kimberly, and she has a incredibly rare genetic disease, that even though she is 16 years old, she looks like she's a Uh, 72-year-old woman.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And to see Victoria Clark, one of the best... Singing actresses or singing mm. actors, singing performers of this or any generation, become a sixteen-year-old
0: girl with all that comes with that. <laughs> um, is she's b- an exceptional physical physical comedy actor, for that matter, right? an exceptional yeah. physical actor.
1: Yeah, j- just absolutely wonderful. You also throw in um, the great Stephen Boyer from Hand to God, who um, mm-hmm. not a great singer, but serv- certainly serviceable. Um, Ali Mazzi So Stephen Boyer now. Ali Mazi play Kimberly's parents. They are like straight out of a raw doll book, um, (laughs) which I love. Then you have uh, Bonnie Milligan, who is first off, she's underused in this show. I mean, her part's great, but like whatever show she's in, she's going to be underused. She is brilliant and ridiculous. And I loved every second of it. And we need more of her. And then there's also a cast of like five kids in the show. Um, That are like, te- you know, playing the teenagers that are in the same grade as Kimberly. They're all fantastic. Um, we'll get into like a lot of details about things, sure. but really recommend it. It's not the best Janine Tesori score um, that I've ever heard. And this is coming from a diehard Janine Tesori fan, mm-hmm. but it is a show that absolutely needs to be seen. All right, and then on Saturday, my last day, I had a three-show day. I saw a um, a workshop presentation of a new musical called Americano that actually started its life out in in Arizona and was supposed to come mm. to New World Stages in March of 2020. And I think I might have actually started performances, but it is going to be coming back Maybe, to yeah. New World Stages in March of 2022. It is a story about um, a, a dreamer um, in Arizona and obviously it was a workshop so they are still working on it there were a few extraneous um, storylines that i thought could Mm. be cut there were some intentions especially from the main character's father that i thought could be sharpened some things were a little bit too on the nose for me Mm. but i thought i thought the music was good the story was good the performances were good um and for my first time being at new uh, the new 42 studios for a workshop i thoroughly enjoyed that experience Mm. um but uh so keep an eye out for that for when it comes to new york off broadway then i went to the aforementioned matinee with grace where she once again said soundtrack and we saw a sherlock <laughs> Carol, um which was tons of fun like yeah, um, we we need more tom sesma i'm not gonna lie i, I was a oh, little little always. disappointed little disappointed with the, the amount of sesma in that show i thought we I could agree. have done more but as a um you know, a Sherlockian, I guess. I okay. enjoyed it. I thought the, the characterization, uh, or, you know, kind of like the, the streamlining of the show and, um, you know, kind of to weave in the holiday aspect was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Drew McVetty, who plays Sherlock Holmes, was fantastic. Yeah. The rest of the cast, who plays multiple characters, were all very good. I, um, I enjoyed it. It wasn't, you know, life changing, but, you know, it's another good, Show that I think will ha- probably have a life um in the regions, especially because it's a nice mm. holiday show with a familiar title. Exactly. And- I, that's what I was
0: going to say. Like, I can't. I personally can't get into it too much because I'm reviewing it for another publication. But I will say, like, this is a show that you know I had a lot of fun with it. I think it does exactly what it is supposed to do, and that mm-hmm. it is a holiday family show yes. that is it, it, like it. It. Shot joy straight into my veins because it's like you yeah. have the holiday aspect, the winter aspect, and it's just like there were kids in the theater when I saw it, which is usually like you my too. living nightmare. But it's the <laughs> first time that I've seen kids in the theater for like two years now. So that was that was also just like an emotional thing of like. Ah. Oh, we're back. That That's that's a nice thing to see.
1: Yeah, it was really fun.
0: And then that
1: night um, – oh, no. I, I, there's one that's not on my list because Grace and, and a, if a lot of people might know B-Way Show. Uh-huh. Um, she won the lottery. A couple people won the lottery for Freestyle Love Supreme's 5 p.m. show.
0: Oh, okay. That's what happened. I was like, I didn't yes. – <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Grace texted me and said, hey, since we're going to Sherlock Carol, show has an extra ticket to to Freestyle Love Supreme. Do you want to just go so we can go from New World Stages over to the booth? And I said, well, I've already seen it, but hell yes, I want to go to another (laughs) show at 5 p.m. Uh, So that was great because not only – I very much am. um, (laughs) Not only was Jordan Fisher, star of Stage and Screen, already the announced special guest, but – when James Monroe Eichelhart also joined the show. Oh, Yes, so so we got a little uh, JMI and Jordan Fisher. More JMI because if you've seen the show, like they bring on a fifth member of Freestyle Love Supreme mm. after like the first first well, he's game gone or two.
0: Time with them now, right? That's what we're talking well, about. Well, he's
1: always one? he's always been a, a like a member. He's been a Freestyle Love Supreme right, member right, since right. like before Aladdin. Um, obviously, he just left Hamilton, so I think he's probably going to be doing a little bit more Freestyle Love Supreme. But I will yeah. tell you. I don't know what they are, but I have heard that he has some really, really big things coming up, um, which is why he left Hamilton. Because why the hell do you leave Hamilton if you don't, ha- if you aren't Fair going enough. to another gig? Um, but um, he was awesome. Jordan Fisher has the voice of an angel. Um, young niece True. who is Anissa Folds, who has been a guest here on um, Broadway Radio before. Mm-hmm. She was like fangirling out, sitting next to him during the game, Aww. True, <laughs> which was totally fun because he was just giving vocal purity. It was, it was fantastic, and I, that show's just so much fun that is going on tour um, so check your local theater listings for where Freestyle Love Supreme will be obviously not going to have a ton of the special guests, but you know, the folks like, um, two touch and shockwave and jelly donut and young niece, um, will definitely be in that cast. And I'm sure they will rotate some people in and out depending on the location and time. But then the final thing that I went to, I went over to the Steven Sondheim theater to see a preview uh, performance of Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, again, in previews, but I bought a ticket. So I, I will say a little bit more than I would that if I was reviewing, um, it's a perfectly fine show. Okay. I am sure I am sure that there will be people who um take issue with it the same way that they took with Tootsie. I will not argue with them in the least, because it is still essentially mm. the same woman in dress thing or man in dress thing. There was also a man in dress bit in a Sherlock Carol, which I thought was a little unnecessary, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. but I, I will you and I have talked about this before with like things like Drood and, and Matilda Yes, Panto. Um, th- yeah, there's a distinct historical panto element um in the UK where men dress as women and women dress as men. Um which has like also
0: happened in Shaw Carol.
1: Yeah, Sherlock Carol, that happened as well. So it, it went both ways with that. Um, those are called trouser rolls when it's a mm-hmm. woman dressing as a man. So that didn't bother me as much, but it was interesting to me that I saw two of those shows um with that.
0: <laughs> Destined um, to be, I guess. Yeah, I mean –
1: Mrs. Doubtfire, and we've talked about it. They brought in Glad. They did as much as they possibly could to make this uh, a little bit more palatable. I don't know that I saw a ton of that. Like Brad, Oscar, and Jay Harrison Gee's characters make it very clear throughout the show that this is a terrible idea and it's misogynistic and, um, it's, it's, it's not great. Um, but they still do it. You know, you know, Rob McClure's character still does it. Um, I thought Rob McClure was really, really good. If I'm, this is going to sound sacrilegious, especially because I didn't really like Tootsie at all. I think Santino Corrective gave a better performance. performance. Um, and, and it might be because he has a little bit more of an arc, um, in the show. And as you've seen, you know, you've seen the film, like the mm. Robin Williams character in the film is not a bad guy. That's the thing is no. like in Tootsie, Santino had more to play with because he started as an asshole sure. and became a slightly better person. And Mrs. Doubtfire, the Daniel Heller character starts suspect. as, yeah, well, he starts as, like, a guy who's just a big kid and grows up a little bit. So okay. I don't know that – yeah, I don't know that he necessarily, like, has as much to work with. He's great in everything he does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought everybody was really good. Jen Gambatisse is really good. Annalise Scarpa,ci um, or Scarpaccio is is the oldest daughter. She was really good. Um, I thought Brad Oscar and Jay Harrison Gee could have a little bit more to do because those two are fantastic and they don't
0: really get a ton. What, what are they playing? His brother and his brother's and husband. Partner? His brother, yeah, and his okay. brother's husband. Yeah, yeah. they, they so actually say his small husband roles anyway. Oh, that's right. But, thing. Okay.
1: yeah, but like, why get Brad Oscar and Jay Harrison Gee to play small I'm roles? Fair. Is my thing. <laughs>
0: um, either that. Or, I mean, it was harry fire stain in the movie right (laughs) yeah just do that again why not yeah i'm sure he's got nothing going on Uh, um so it was fine like the score
1: is nowhere near as good as something rotten which was written by the same people Mm -hmm. um um, I did enjoy Peter Bartlett, who was also in Austin, something, uh, rotten. something Rotten. He was also the Mater D in She Loves Me for Roundabout, and he's done a bunch yeah. of other things. I, of course, loved the last line, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the, the playbill in front of me, the last line of his bio in the playbill, and this is something that I told my friend Janie, who I was with already. Um, the last line is the fact that he played Nigel on One Life to Live for over 20 years, oh my and God. I probably watched him for that entire 20 years. That's a show that's been <laughs> off the air for a decade now, but like, um, I grew up with him as the butler for Ace of Buchanan on One Life mm-hmm. to Live and I loved every second of it. No, i would be for you. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I also went to the Moondance um, diner um, food truck. I did not get anything because they had nothing there that I could eat. Mm, um, but Grace enough. Grace, Grace did get a, a grilled cheese sandwich and I got a poster which I very carefully protected on the flight Ooh. home. Um, so that was fun. I saw Luis Miranda and And, oh, I forget uh, Lynn's mom's name. They were there um, as well when I was there. Mm -hmm. I just missed Freestyle Love Supreme performing there um, as I was walking over. But um, really a great trip. You know, I um, got a little tired. um, But fortunately, the back half of my trip didn't have as many. The back half of my trip didn't have as many late nights. I really didn't do any, like, two-show weekdays. That's true. uh, Like, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But, like, once I got back to the Airbnb and I, like, sat in bed, I, like, there were multiple days, like five days <laughs> when worked. I woke up I woke up at seven AM um wearing the clothes that I'd gotten in bed with. You know. So, but you know, it was fun. I loved it. That's um, showbiz baby. It is. And I said, I don't there was nothing that I saw that I thought was bad. Um, and that's a testament to the work being done right now. There was a, there was only a handful yeah. of things that I thought were great. The things that I thought were great were Company Assassin's Trouble in Mind and Natalie Walker. Everything mm-hmm. else I thought was was good. Damn, 50% um,
0: Sondheim was the best part of your two weeks. Congratulations. Yeah,
1: absolutely. As it should be. Yes, um, correct. <laughs> yeah but anyway so if anybody wants to ask more specific questions about any of the shows that I saw feel free to send me a tweet or an Instagram message at BWW Matt. Ashley where can people find you
0: you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at no this is Ashley I'm proud of you those are an exhausting two weeks and I would rather die than do <laughs> that many shows
1: it ended up being 29 things in
0: 14 days absolutely not and and I, I think and I've I missed... done 29 shows uh, maybe maybe dating back to the beginning of 2020. Well, that's
1: different. And I actually had to skip a few things. There was a few things that I had the ability to go to, and I just couldn't physically make it, um, for timing purposes. But, Mm -mm -mm. um, anyway and i like i opted to go see friends for one of them and uh, i couldn't make the other one but anyway don't forget to head over to facebook twitter and instagram and follow us at broadway radio um this has been an unusual um today on broadway but thank you for listening and we will be back for in some form or fashion to talk to you tomorrow